All right, here we go. Danny Boy, happy to have you on the platform, my man. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed, man. So before we get into the interview, my man, I did an interview with Kurt Cobain a few weeks ago, and it went viral, and you had issues with the interview. So what exactly did you have issues with in regards to the interview? Uh, I had issues with the edited stories. Uh, you know, he and Kurt uh, share stories that uh, sound like he adopted. You know what I mean? To hear him say, you know, certain things uh, was my story. It was actually my story that I'm hearing him say. You know, him being close to Shug and not saying that he didn't have it. Everybody, you know, if Shug let you win, he was a cool dude, you know. Uh, but just to hear him reflect on what it was like around Death Row and who he was around Death Row at that time, it was uh, kind of disheartening hearing him share his story and leaving the real parts of it out. So the stories he was telling, you feel like they was your story that he was telling? Yeah, yeah, that's right. A lot of them. A lot of them. How did you first meet Kurt Cobain? So I met Kurt Cobain. Kurt was uh, hanging around the studio, trying to get in uh, at Can-Am Studios. And Can-Am was the studio where Death Row recorded these records. Uh, and that wasn't just a place that you could just access. Uh, no matter if you was a celebrity or, you know, you'd be family to somebody, you had to have a pass really, to kind of get past the police that was sitting at the front desk, security that was at the front desk to get in. And uh, I'm sure my my nice ass just let him in, uh, came came into the studio, and it was one of my sessions. I was one of the uh, artists that was always in the studio, just about every day. Uh, he had an opportunity to come in and listen to some records. I'm sure he probably played some records after finding out that he was from the Midwest, Milwaukee, and Chicago. That kind of like pulled me in closer to people knowing that they was from the city. And, and that they were from close from where I was from. So uh, we gained this cool relationship him hanging out at the studio. What exactly was some of the stuff that Kurt Cobain said in the interview that you had an issue with? <laughs> um, I guess particularly the uh, the part like him and Sugar was just, it sounded like him and Sugar was just cool, close. Like, you know, uh, like they had this one-on-one -one type relationship. He can go to Sugar and she called him for things. And, uh, Dr. Dre came to him for what sounds are you using? It's like, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things. Oh, yeah, the best one for me was uh, him getting a euthanasia chain and taking it back to California. And him driving one of the cars back from California, from Vegas to California. You know, uh, he wasn't in like that. <laughs> I have a euthanasia chain. You got to bring it back to LA. Yeah, I'm the person. When they keep saying about the box, I, I, I can't say I'm probably one of the first ones to see Tupac and cremation box is what I was speaking on. I'm probably one of the first, or some of the first group of people to see that because it came to Suge House. I was at his house. How long did it take um, them to cremate Tupac? It was fast. It was so it it was truly fast. More than less than usually something like that. Just from my experience, is usually about a week time. It was much before week time. Pac was cremated and on his way back to California. All right, so they cremated Tupac. They put him in a box. I mean, of course, that's what that's you the box. That, that's the box that it come in. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, like if you get that's what I meant. Like I, I was kept seeing people say, "Well, Danny Boy said this is about him being in a box. He was cremated. Yeah, the remains in the, the ashes go in a box before going to urn. Right, right. <laughs> and you took the box back to. LA. And I took the box back to California myself in the car with me. Okay, okay, I got you. Um, so Sugar trust him like that too. I mean, that's a big thing to say, you know. Bring me this chain and bring me the, you know, bring me pocket house. He wasn't in like that. I can't recall if he was on the ride. He possibly was on the ride because him and Troy was always around. Right. Um, the Carbo trip. He told a story about the Carbo trip. You, Tupac, Suge Knight, him, and somebody named Troy. He told a story about that. Mm -hmm. um, give me the play-by-play -play about everything that went on with that incident. So we were shooting my... Uh, my first video called Slip and Slide actually was shot in Cabo St. Lucas. And um, Troy and Troy was, Kurt was my homie. They had uh, flown in, and I remember getting them from the airport, getting them out to uh, 
Cabo with me. Them going to, I think we all were standing like villas. They were standing in villas and Suge had a house and I had a, I had a house there that he had rented for my girl and myself. And uh, Kurt and was there at the video shoot. I'm shooting all day. I have been there shooting all day. I take my jewelry off for one of the scenes. And when it was time to go get my jewelry once we were finished, my jewelry's gone. And I didn't want to tell Suge that my jewelry was gone. I mean, shit, it was probably $20,000, $30,000 worth of jewelry that was gone. And uh, I finally told him, you know, he ain't say nothing to me about it. He's mad as hell. Next thing you know, I, I, we, we, I, I see him coming out. If I'm not mistaken, we were out. We were out on the beach. It was like a, a, a restaurant. You know, it was like being at the beach in the, in the States. It was a beach and it was a restaurant that we were by. And everybody was kind of crowded up and should come up. And he grabbed me and he say, you know, what the fuck happened to your jewelry? I'm like, I don't know. See, this is what I'm saying. You bring motherfuckers all the way out here. You taking niggas around the world. You can't even think shit, and the least they can do is watch your damn jewelry. And uh, Kurt was standing like in a circle, and all of the guys from, or some of the guys from OFTB, they were a group that was on death row, and all of the guys was just standing around. And as he's talking, you know, he looked at Troy and I said, "What's up? You know, what's up? Why are you niggas basically ain't watching, watching out?" And Troy kind of nervous, and Troy like, you know, looking at Shug, he no sir him, yes sir him. And Kurt smiled when Shug said something. Somebody reached out of the audience and hit Kurt in the mouth and he just bleeding. And they grabbed Troy and Pop said to me, Pop was like something like, Danny boy always talking shit when somebody else niggas fuck up. But now this niggas fucking up, he, you quiet. So Pop kind of like instigating for me to kind of uh, uh, get my guys in check, basically. Troy and Kurt. So they pull Troy in the bathroom, Suge standing there and Pac standing there, and Troy weigh about 125 pounds. Suge, every bit of 385. <laughs> Pac, every bit of 320 in his mind, with <laughs> you know, 152. Right, right. right? And uh, Troy standing in the middle of him, and Pac talking shit. Suge asks Troy, he say, uh, who chest bigger? So Troy really scared because that's a crazy ass question because Suge is way bigger than Pac. And Pac likes, you know, Pac living his chest up and, you know, bouncing around like he finna hit him. And Hammer walks in the bathroom. And Hammer put on some short, some short gloves, some short knuckle gloves. And he starts spawning in the bathroom. <laughs> like spawning in the bathroom. Right. And Suge study instigate like, and uh, Pac say, well, if you, don't, if you don't fuck your boy up, we gonna fuck him up. My boy Tro Troy looked at me and said, DB, please. <laughs> when he said, DB, please, I stole off of him, but when I hit him, I kind of like fell into him and pushed him in the bathroom. And it was over with. Should walk, kind of walked out the bathroom. They walked, they laughing. Troy's still in the bathroom. Troy crying. And Troy was thanking me for saying, Troy said, thank you, save my life, it was gonna kill you, da, 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 da. But to hear him say like, oh, he was being jumped to the gang, or, nah, he whooped their ass because it was something that they, and I agree, now that I'm older, you know, you got these guys who just riding around, hanging out, uh, and at this time, Kurt hadn't produced anything. He was hanging out in the whack room. Told you about the whack room? No, tell me about that. Like, I know what the whack room is, but yeah. for the people that's looking at this, because I got a whole lot of casual Death Row 2 fans. Cool. Let them know what the whack room is. The whack room was a room where, like, the producers that couldn't get in the studio. Uh, that's the room that they went and kind of, like, did pre-production. Because it was a lot of aspiring producers that were doing. And it was NPCs and stuff sitting in there, and keyboards and stuff sitting in there. It was actually a storage room. In the whack room, it's a joke. Sugar was like, yeah, them niggas in there whack them with a whack room. To Tyrone Rice, uh, that's Tyrone from B Brazil. Uh, 
LT Hutton. If I'm not mistaken, LT Hutton was probably one of the guys that helped spearhead the room. Yeah, yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to LT. He Hutton. went on to do big shit. So. Yeah, and he went on. But if you listen to those names and and, and Kirk kind of comparing himself in the group of those names, not saying that his because you know his production wasn't as quality had as much quality as those guys, but with all of the tough big talking that he was doing, he wasn't on none of the records. I'm talking about real records. I don't care what they put him on when Michelle was up there playing CEO. When she was destroying Death Row, shit, everybody was running the Lakers. But he made it sound as if when Suge was out, he was in charge of this. And he wasn't in charge of anything. Yeah, he said that um he produced a true pop song called M.O.B., if I'm not mistaken. It's actually a song that I I, I, I... I didn't even remember that he produced that song. But it's actually a song that was on my record, and it was... It was uh, M.O.B. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. M.O.B. Because I didn't hear that one. Yeah, M.O.B. Yeah, M.O.B. Yeah. I never, I don't remember what song that was. But I remember him making the song about uh, uh, Bad Boy Killer. I know that was one of the songs that was kind of made. And I thought Kurt produced that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he, um, and yeah, it, he said he produced that as well. Yeah. And it was sort of like a little diss, uh, a diss song. And I heard him say Devontae Swing or something like that. Was uh, dissing Puppy on it, or they were trying to get Devontae, like whatever it was, that was a song that was on my album. We went in and Pop came and spit some verses on it. That was a rec- actually a record that was going on my record. Why were we dissing them? Yeah, it was a whole Death Row East Coast thing going on. So, yeah, it was a record that was kind of like an interlude that we were putting on my record. And Pop came and spit some verses on it. But as far as the song, him producing, he was making himself sound like a big producer, but wasn't on none of the records. He wasn't on Machiavelli. Tyrone was on Machiavelli. He produced songs on it. Right, so your main issue is pretty much some of the stories he told, like the stories he told was true, but it was your story. Yeah, it wasn't his story. Yeah, it was your story. That's yeah. your issue. He's... Yeah, it's not like he read my book and found you and let's do an interview with that. Right, right, I got you, I got you. She was my baby mom, Sony. She actually come in on the interview and she said that um, she told Suge Knight about the interview and Suge Knight said everything Kurt Cobain said in the interview was true. And I think I came behind the comment and said lies. <laughs> right, right. Suge's a liar sometimes too, so I'm not quite <laughs> depending on just because she say Suge said it. Uh, he's, known, he's a known liar and instigator too. So what's the beef between you and Stormy? There, there isn't any, you don't have beef with people that, that's relevant in your life. Uh, like, why she made that comment, or why she's been going back and forth with disrespect, and that caused disrespectful comments. I didn't wake up in the morning, or, or in my plans of my day, I'm thinking of anything that I want to say about, I've talked enough about should tonight. I've done enough interviews to tell my story, just tell how I feel I was treated. So it doesn't do me any good for me to start talking about people in his family and people that uh, know his family. And because I, I, don't, I talk to Suge's sisters. I talk, I talk, I, I speak to, uh, to his father. I, I, when his mother passed, I was at the service. And I wasn't judging those things against what Suge had done or how he had treated me. Regardless of them, if anybody understands the music business, I don't have to go through why I felt a certain way. Maybe my outburst wasn't like other people would have done it. Maybe some of the posts that I made about it, but it didn't happen to them. They wasn't a part of these records. They wasn't a part of this movement. They didn't go through what I went through, so they don't know how their reaction would have been. So it don't make sense for me to sit now and start talking about should baby mamas, especially the ones that's not important to him. <laughs> or wasn't important to him. Everybody's probably important to him now. He's in jail. He got 28 years. Everybody's important. I'm sure she's back on the phone with him. But I'm talking about during the time where Suge Knight was, you know, where it kind of moved you when somebody said, oh, Suge's going to get you. Where it moved you? We're in 2021. Nobody's talking about being scared of Suge Knight. 
let alone his the tramp. I mean, the only nice way I could say it, let alone her, like somebody worried about her to talk about her, I only spoke ill to her because of her comments that she made. I mean, I'm a grown man. I don't. You know what? So, what is the comment she made? Because we did a Kirk Cobain interview, it went viral. Um, I think you made some comments about it. Then she jumped in and she said, Should I co sign the interview? Then she started. You and her start going back and forth. And then she started saying some things like, you know, Shug only signed you because he felt sorry for you because your mama was down. Uh, uh, he he felt I'm a, she's the reason why I did features with Pop. <laughs> like, she had to have a reality show or something she working on. But she trying to get her book heard singing it. So what exactly was her relationship with Shug? I mean, that's obviously that's his that's his baby mom, the the little guy, little Suge White. Uh, that's his son. I mean, he looked like him. That's his son. I I I, I can't dispute. Like shit, I'm not trying to dispute who his kids is. <laughs> but uh, their relationship was just that. Oh, I'm not bad. He was messing. With the man was married. So what? How did we say it in the hood? That was one of his bitches. How do we say it in church? That's one of the girls he's cheating with. <laughs> I mean, what other way to say it? So Suge Knight was married to Sharita Knight. Sharita Knight is the only wife he's he's ever had, to my understanding. And you're pretty much saying Stormy was pretty much one of his side pieces. Yes. That got pregnant. And the second one, even Suge questioned it. No disrespect to them. I'm just saying what the, what he said. Talk that shit up with him. He got time to be arguing on the phone. I don't. I mean, after that, after, after the comments, I didn't say I hadn't said anything. But yeah, I'm defensive. You talking about he signed me because my mother was dying. Then she started making derogatory remarks towards my mother and my father. That's deceased, you know. And Stormy made these remarks. She made these derogatory remarks towards my parents. You know, that's why your mom was being ate by maggots. I mean, she turned into this five-year-old. Because it sounded like I was in, 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 in kindergarten. Like, your mom, that's why your mom did this. And we started going back and forth. And then she tagged her sons. Kids. Man, listen, I'm, to be honest, I'm over with what Suge did. And how he treated the business and how my career turned out. Call me what you want. You can call me washed up. You can call me whatever you want to have to leave him dead from. That's your opinion. That's people's opinion. That don't bother me. Somebody saying, oh, he ain't been nothing. He did, 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 did. I still can sing. Put your money on it. God left me with a gift. I'm living. I'm healthy. I'm breathing. I got my right mind. I'm happy. Oh, my bad. I'm gay, right? <laughs> because even made like all these... You a faggot and you got called in the bathroom. Danny boy got caught. I'm watching Pose. Like you got caught in the bathroom back in there. What bathroom? She got me confused with her. Because I had just as many girls as a baby daddy had. I was, I was like his son. So, I probably could have slept with her if I wanted to. She's not my type. <laughs> She wasn't his because she talked too much. And she was too loose. And to come on a, a comment and make comments about me that don't have validity or have, uh, as they say, receipts. I got receipts of things that I say about her. So I, she probably don't want to talk about me. Leave me alone. I'm not looking to put out her business, but if, if she wants some attention, I can help her get some attention. I know I wouldn't have fucked Suge Knight and be doing eyelashes in 2021. That's all you came out of this with is some damn eyelashes, kid? You want to tell me about my little restaurant? This is my fourth restaurant. Suge Knight, Suge Light, whatever the fuck his name is, he's disrespecting me. I remember taking him to school and teaching him how to read. He was dumb up until 13 to 14. Damn, that couldn't read. 
and now he gets on being disrespectful after seeing your mother make these disrespectful comments. That's what people need to start checking their own people. And you know that one right, why don't you just leave that alone? Versus getting your little ass on there telling me, don't come to LA, meet me in LA. My daughter older than Suge Light. And I keep saying Suge Light because it's like Coca-Cola, you got Coca-Cola, then you got Coca-Cola Light. It's the same damn pop, but it's not really the same fucking pop. It's like, it's not as sweet as the real one. It's not as good. He should like. Nothing like his dad. I wasn't scared to go to L.A. when I said things about should. Oh, but I'm going to be scared to go to L.A. Because I'm speaking some shit about his mother after her being disrespectful. Fuck both of them. Fuck them both. And I go to L.A. when I want to, when I feel like it, where I feel like it. You want me there that bad, book me. That's how you could do that. Get me to the hotel like your daddy used to do. You don't give people trick them like you're going to do an interview and whoop my ass when I get there. That's what I would do. Other than that, I'm not listening to no kid tell me where I can't go. You know how rough it is in Chicago? Every day I get up and I thank God that I'm able to make it out of my career. Back to where I left from in Chicago. You think I'm fucking scared to go somewhere else? Nah. It's sweet, but it ain't that sweet. <laughs> sort of like Sour Patch. You know, sour on the outside, sweet in the middle. It's like that. Yeah, man. So, Sugar Knight, um, his real name is Marion Knight. Right? Marion Hugh Knight. I know I wouldn't have. That's like a motherfucking name of their child, DMX. And the man name's not DMX. Or better yet, Jamie Foxx. Junior. It's not the man's real name. So yeah, she got a stage baby. Should night stage name, Junior. And now she do eyelashes. And I gotta apologize because I don't want to be sounding like, you know, so saying them kids, I'm not gonna be into it with kids. The only reason why I'm checking, I'm saying something to, to Suge Light is because he he still texts me and inbox me. Yeah, he came at Suge Sosa never said anything. Suge's youngest son never said anything. I hear he's a great kid. I, I don't have nothing to be getting into it with nobody's kids. Hell, I got kids they age. But if it takes me to put your son in place while you're away, I will. I can tell him, you know, put him, you know, direct him a little bit. Teach him some of the shit you taught me. Because he didn't get none of that from his dad. None of his style was like his dad. If it was, he wouldn't have got on the internet and started doing what he was doing. You know, all in the videos. Face-ass nigga. You made a comment about Kurt Cobain. You said Kurt Cobain did you dirty when he came to Michelle Lady. Yeah. Um, break that down, man. What you mean by that? So Michelle A, as we as we know, I, because I've talked about her enough. That was really the only baby mama that I was I was rallying to talk about because Michelle A personally done something to me. Okay. Uh, during the time of trying to separate from death row, you know, your biggest way of separating from any record company, you want to find out exactly what you owe them and what they owe you. And instead of them to ask for an account statement, they sent me an account ledger. Two different things. And in this ledger, it had my mother's funeral expense highlighted. Christmas gifts highlighted. You know, look, miscellaneous things that you would think that gifts and, you know, different things that should have done for me. Highlighted. And I knew some of those things was to kind of irritate me. Basically, it was saying that, you know, I gave you this money for your mama's funeral, you owe me. And those were things that she was doing. Michelle A personally was doing, she was irritating all the artists and agitating all of the artists. Cutting their checks off and putting their checks on pause and making them get money late. She had the power to do it and that's what the power that she, the power that she had, that's what she chose to do. Right? So she had this little own, while she running the record company, she had her own little uh, imps that she worked with. Okay? Uh, and then she had people that she had always been working with. One of my guys, Reggie Lamb, from Chicago, he continued to work with her. I've been knowing Reggie Lamb since I was 14. I didn't have a problem with Reggie from working with Michelle A. 
because he and Joy, they had a relationship. They had a cool relationship from the beginning. Uh, Troy, I'm not Troy, I'm sorry. Um, Kurt then in turn started hanging around and they put him in apartments and started giving him cars and, you know. And at this time, I'm hungry, starving. And I'm going through it. And I, I basically got reached out to Kurt and asked him to look out for me. And he kind of like brushed it off, you know, gave me the whole Hollywood shit. So who wouldn't be hurt? You know how many times I got into my baby mama from this nigga being in my hotel room with us? Got a big suite in the Lamontrose Hotel. I got Kurt, Troy, Reggie Lamb, my baby mama, my daughter Ashley and myself, six people in one room, and Young Buck. Young Buck is, is, is my homie that I've been knowing when I first moved to LA, he hangs out with Ray J and Young Buck. At any given time, it's seven people staying in a suite. A nice suite. Ordering food, eating what I'm eating. I don't know how he forgot, like, and he even sent me inbox like, he told me I'm forgetful. I never live with you. Like, you're forgetful. And after you live with me, after the little hotel thing, because my guys kept spending money, large amounts of money at the Lamontros and Sugar get mad at I'm put you niggas in an apartment now, because you know, y'all spent like 15, 15, dollars and just signing incidentals in a couple of days. Come to find out one of them had charts and sweatpants and was eating by the uh, poolside and all kinds of shit. But he don't remember these things. And what he said to you, he even sent the inbox, I never lived with you and your girl. They should send him a movie out to the Oakwood Apartments. This is where all of the artists live. And when he moved us to the Oakwood Apartment, he got a second apartment so that he and Reggie could have a place. He, Reggie, and Troy could have a place. He said all that stuff was charged to him. I wouldn't, man, as tricky as they was, they probably did charge it to him, but it was charged to me too. And he got those things by inheriting them through me. I don't need no, no, no cookies for some shit that happened 30 years ago that we can't get no refund on. I was just hurt that I felt that I had a friend that I let in my space. That is a part of history. You met and you was around these people because of me. That I don't get cookies from it, but tell it like it is. Wasn't close to Pac, you wasn't close to Suge. I'm sure they barely talked to you. That's just the way things went. Dialogues with Pox people. When you think of the dog pound, them snooping his guys. I mean, everybody that was around kind of knew their crew. And now all of a sudden, he's like, oh, he was just, yeah, he was right on the shoe. Shoe called me and I was making these decisions. What records have you done? Man, one record. I'm not talking about that shit y'all wanted that fucked up. When Suge wasn't around, them records y'all destroyed? I'm talking about... I when shit was popping, what records was you on? I'm in it, if it was a guy singing on the Tupac records, it was me. If it's a new guy that you hear, I guarantee you he heard my leads and he followed me. Because I was cool with Pop. Contrary to belief, Pop didn't fuck with Danny Boy. That's the dumbest shit. <laughs> that was the dumbest shit. The dumbest remark, Pot didn't fuck with Danny Boy. And then people getting on saying they were mad because I disrespected Pot and his mother. Let me let me let me make this clear because every year I try to look at myself and say, who am I this year compared to who I was last year? Right? So if I could if I can go back in my mind and think about when I uh, interviewed about talking about the Tupac uh, estate situation and talking about the ordeal between his mother and myself. I was talking about royalties. And if I can look back at it right now, and as a grown man, listen, 
then it ain't in my spirit to talk about nobody mama. That ain't how I was raised. And to disrespect somebody that's dead, that ain't what I'm into. So I, I'm, I'm mad enough to, to you know, I, the family, her family that was probably hurt by that. I apologize for that. Because I'm a grown man. That was a business decision that I made that I should have looked over tighter. That's the difference between Danny Boy then and now. I'm not sitting here holding grudges against people that's deceased. But if anybody up at the state see, see that paper up there with my name on it, what they owe me money, shit, take care of that. You know, and Stormy say, oh, I'm, see the reasons I did it. First, I can't remember seeing Stormy in the studio once during the time of us working. Not even in a party. And baby mama should have all kinds of pictures. Show them. Post them. You don't have it. But but back to your stories of why I should stop messing with her. That her son need to know about. It was said that she was having Shaq up in uh, one of Pops. Uh, 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 sorry, having Shaq in one of Shug's penthouses. Come find out, he, Shaq was drinking up Shug's uh, champagne. Chris Sapp. That was the first time. I, I can't say I don't know Shaq enough to know if Shaq hit. But, you know, she likes celebrities. Did he? You got, you got this dude up in your baby daddy career while you're in jail? So that kind of got a, it was a piece of it. On the other part, when I said she fucked Ray J. She had relations with Ray J? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have said it like that because I, yeah, I'm going to run for mayor or something one day. So I got to make sure I say this right. Yeah, it was said I wasn't there. So it's kind of hard to, you just kind of hard to say 100%. But she know what's real. Yeah, she fucked Ray J. <laughs> yeah. Didn't she Ray? <laughs> and Ray went and told Shug. He told him. And Shug still was cool with Ray J. That don't look like she was that important to me. Because I know certain girls you wouldn't mess with with Shug. Shug wasn't talking to you anymore. Because his girl. So let's get into Death Row. How did you first get started with Death Row? Uh, I was with an independent company out of Chicago by the name of Raw Dope. Uh, we were out shopping deals. And at that time, the guy that was over the lane was Shorty Capone. He was shopping a deal for a group by the name of Fuski. He was shopping them with Interscope. And he was shopping Crucial Concept with, a, with another label. And I was just out there shopping a deal. And it's almost like I got caught up in the meeting where we were on our way over to another deal to me. And um, Shorty Capone was talking to Shug about the deal that, you know, for me. Shug was like, bust some, you know. I just belted out and started singing. He was like, wait a minute, hold, hold up. And he went out the room and went and got this short white guy. But uh, I later learned that that was Jimmy Iovine. He went out and got Jimmy Iovine and he said, sing that shit again, bust this. Sing that shit again. And I sang a little bit of it, and, and Shug instantly made an offer to Shorty, like right there at the table. And uh, that moment, I never left. I, I, don't, I don't believe I left LA. I may have left for like two weeks. I hadn't even signed yet. I was there almost seven, eight months, maybe a year before I had even signed. And uh, he put me in this hotel, put us in this hotel, and I stayed in the hotel for about uh, about three, two months before I got in trouble. And I went back to Chicago after getting in trouble with you. I, I went back to Chicago. Yeah, tell me about that. How you get in trouble? Yeah, so he had put me in this hotel called the Peninsula. Very uh, plush, luxury hotel. And uh, this is when I first learned what incidentals were. You know, how to sign whatever you wanted to the room. But with this hotel, they got a Rolls Royce limousine downstairs. 
uh, you could send them to the mall to get stuff. Like it was just a lot of stuff that you could do at this hotel in the peninsula. And after being in that hotel for a while, I got a little bored and Joelle came over, one of the other artists, Joelle came over and she kept bringing different girls. Like that went on for about a week straight, week and a half, two weeks straight. And every day they was ordering Cristal, getting pedicures and manicures in the room, just all kinds of just like crazy shit that I didn't know you could do at a hotel. And uh, the cost of that kind of was a little bit above 30, 40,000, 30, $40,000. But I didn't get caught until Suge was looking for me one day and I had taken this Rolls Royce limousine to Compton. Joelle was gonna hook me up with a burnout phone. Anybody know what a burnout phone was? It was basically a phone that, a cell phone that you can get that was in somebody else's name. You just run the minutes up and there's just unlimited tap on it. And uh, she told me to come to comp, go to Compton and pick this, pick this phone up. And so Suge was looking for me. And they called the driver and the driver told uh, Roy, which was Suge's assistant, that we were somewhere like, if I'm not mistaken, road trans maybe? I gotta remember the street. I can't remember the streets that much, but. Uh, that we're, wherever it was, we were out in the middle of Compton in the hood, in this Rolls Royce limousine. And you could hear Suge going off on the phone. You bring that punk motherfucker, you bring him da 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 back. As soon as he hung up the phone, I tell him, hey, I'm 15 years old, and I want you to take me to the airport. If you don't take me to the airport, don't baby better, I'm gonna call the police, take me to the airport. And I flew back home. And it took me a, a couple weeks to go back, maybe a month or so. Uh, but Shorty Capone had to convince me that, you know, she wasn't going to do nothing to me and everything cool, move back down there and get back on the music. And when I got back, she, you know, kind of went off on me and told me, you know, his question was, I think he was something like, you know, I look like I fell off the back of a fucking banana truck. And I thought that was some game man shit. I didn't know if I was supposed to say yeah. No, I'm just looking at him and he told me, you know, just because you're a shorty don't mean I won't fuck your ass up. I don't like that Hollywood shit. And from that point on, like I really never had a problem with him. You know, he you know, he just really stressed to me after that point. How he didn't like the Hollywood shit and you know, you gotta be doing all this extra shit you need something. And after that he kinda took me under his wing. I just started being with him. Every day. You told a story in your book about you and Joel. Um, you care to share that story? Yeah, what part of it? <laughs> I mean, in your book you said that um she gave you fellatio. The best. <laughs> The best. No disrespect. So give me the backstory on that. How did that come about? Uh, well, you know, I was uh, my baby mama gonna kill me because I had a baby mama at this time, <laughs> and uh, you know the funny thing is that people haven't been saying, you know, watch out for Joelle. <laughs> no, she gonna da 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 da. And I'm like, no, she not. You know, and uh, I'm young and she's older. And she had came up, she came to the room one time and, and uh, you know, for respect of her, her kids and everybody, I won't say everything, but yeah, we started messing around a couple of times and she started getting a little serious. Joelle was a little, really gangster. Like Joelle would also, you know, she would do all these things with the best and whatever. Everybody say she the best at, but you can get your ass with by Joelle at the same time. Joelle can go out in the hallway and beat like four or five girls up. <laughs> at the same time, so to be around her at that time at such a young age, you know, I was kind of it was kind of considered like uh, what do they call it, uh, the vet. She was my first vet, I guess I, sh I, sh I could say. Right, the first vet or uh, the tiger people. Yeah, she was the first vet that I kind of messed around with, and and she was the first lady at Death Row. Came to my room and. Uh, she knew I had a girl, she kept telling me some shit. She had, I don't know, I think she said some shit like, you know, who is this crazy ass girl? Everybody talking about this crazy girl. And she was talking about my, my daughter's mom. Like, yeah, whatever, you know. She talking, sitting in the bed and smoking weed. And she's like, uh, you know, she's so worried about this little ass boy or something. You know, I'm just talking stuff back, you know. And before I probably didn't get the next little sentence out of my mouth, she had to pull my pants down. And I look, <laughs> I look for to pull my pants down all the time. Alright, 
so she get busy Shut like up. that. Yeah, man. yeah, Joel was, and she was so pretty, but. Shout out to Jewel. Don't beat me up, Jewel. Don't be mad at me. Okay, okay. So she was peeing in the workplace. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So she was getting busy like that? Yes, sir. All right. So um, when you were staying at the hotel, um, you met Biggie, right? Oh, yes, I did. Tell me about that. Uh, so I was staying um, in, 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 at the hotel. I think it was in Westwood. I'm, I'm really not for sure. Wow. How did, how did that How did the, the name of the hotel just... Went past my mind. But anyway, stayed at the hotel. I just get back from the studio. I got some weed from Quick. DJ Quick, that is. Shout out to my big bro, DJ Quick. He has just gave me some fire weed. And uh, I hadn't been smoking weed really too long. I wish I could share the story about that. I hadn't been smoking weed too long. But anyway, I get back to the hotel. I had spent about $200, two $300 on some weed. Get back to the hotel. I go to my floor, and this big guy is going from one end of the hallway. It's a boutique hotel, so it's not really a large hotel. One end of the hallway to the other end, and he rapping. As soon as I get off the elevator, I, 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 I assume he kind of smelled me like shit. You got what? Can I get some smoke at? Well, I got some. He went up to the roof. We smoked. He smoked all of my weed though. That's the first thing. Smoked every piece of weed I had. Didn't have no more weed. And um, that's when I found out basically he was Biggie. And that was way before the East Coast, West Coast thing. He was working, actually working on uh, the song, if I'm not, uh, I see some ladies tonight. If you'll be having my baby. Big I Papa. Just, Big Papa. I remember him walking in the hallway, like kind of doing a hook to that song. And when you were staying at the hotel, you said you seen a whole lot of celebrities. Ah, that's what everybody say. H-Town, um, wow, H-Town, Jetty Jackson. I mean, I done seen a lot of people in that hotel. Uh, and then I moved from that hotel, I moved to a hotel. I stayed in, on Sunset at the Magion. I stayed at the Magion. I stayed there almost a year. And myself, Jamie Foxx, and B.B. Uh, Wine. B.B. Yeah, Winans. B.B. We all stayed in the hotel almost the same amount of time. Jamie Foxx is working on a little color. And I was just there with that bro. And every day we would kind of get together, go downstairs and sing by the piano. We kind of like took over the Montrose Hotel. No, the Magiano Hotel. How was Shirley Knight and Dr. Dre's relationship when you first joined their floor? Um, well, for me, I, I guess it was it was cool. You kind of you kind of could feel that Dre and Suge was in charge because those were always the names they brought up. But I can't really give you a lot of accounts where I seen them in interactions with each other a lot. Maybe a couple of award shows, uh, some private parties and events and things like that. But Dr. Dre really wasn't the one to be up at Can Am Studio like that. You know what I mean? If Dre came up there, the way was clear for Dr. Dre. Meaning, you know, what y'all was doing up here yesterday, you're not going to be doing today because Drake coming today. So there wasn't many times that you could say that, oh, I was in the studio with Dre. I could count on my hands how many times I was in the studio with her. When did you first hear or see friction between Shoe and I got to Uh I first started hearing friction or seeing kind of Suge and uh, Drake falling apart. You kind of hear it a little bit around and Suge would make his jokes, you know, Pac was kind of upset around this time that Dre wasn't showing up to the studio. He wasn't really, I don't. I think Pac wanted more support from Dre as far as for everybody on the label. He felt like Dre wasn't showing up to the studio and wasn't really putting in what he should be putting in. Um, so even even with that, you would you would kind of see like should say certain things and then the song. That's what I kind of realized for myself. What song? The song when uh, Teddy Riley and Blackstreet made the song No Diggity. We went in the studio the next the next day after Shug played it. I think Jimmy I've been probably giving Shug uh, the song. And we went in the studio the next day and made the song just like off the same track. Uh, it's actually what we recorded Toss It Up to the first time. And somehow or another that, that track was uh, Cease Nemesis. And 
Demetri Ship and Reggie, one of those guys, some other guys came up with the song concert up. The track tour. So you was around Tupac when you would make comments about Dr. Dre? Yeah. So yeah. go into detail about that. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's really not a lot because Suge always was like a, and I'm saying Suge because I can't really account to Pac. Pac had a problem with, 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 with Dre not being around and, and, and supporting the artists more than anything and being up at the studio and putting in the time. That's what you, I would always hear Pop say. But she'll always have jokes to say about people. You hear, she'll call, you know, faggot and stuff like that, things that he would say about Dr. Dre, but not too much. Not until that time, until we made the song No Diggity, and then Pop started saying this fruity as dollars a all of those things. But that wasn't really a big thing of Pop walking around or everybody walking around. When you heard Dre was leaving, for me, I was surprised. It was like, you know, damn, Dre gone. So take me through that when you first heard that Dr. Dre was gone. Well, you kind of heard it everywhere that Dre was leaving wasn't no longer around. And I kind of knew it because Michelle A seemed to be clinging closer to Suge during that time. Dre was departing and Michelle A was still kind of like over here. And, you know, you can understand that, you know, at that time Dre and Michelle A had a child together. So you you would kind of think, Wow, she gonna go with her baby daddy, and but that didn't happen. And then for me being up under Sugar and knowing everything, I kind of was there knowing when that Michelle and Sugar relationship kind of unfold. I don't know if that was the beginning of it, cause hell, they, they known each other way before I know Sugar. But I kind of knew their relationship then, and I knew at that point when they said Dre was gone, and you kind of seen, you know, me helping Sugar around with little little sneak sessions with, you know, gonna take this to Michelle and da 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 da. da. You knew it was an end for Dre at the label. What was the relationship like between Suge Knight and Puff Daddy prior to the Atlanta incident? Um, I can't say that I've seen much of much of their interactions before Atlanta. Atlanta, uh, I, I think you're speaking on when Jake was shot. Yeah, Suge, was Suge friend was shot and, and died. Yeah, was shot at there. You know, I'm sure that became a, just after that, from them saying that it was a whole puppy people and things like that, I think that's when the big animosity did start because Jake was a very big piece to death row and to Shug's friendship as well. Was you in Atlanta when that happened? I was not. So just tell me, um, what did you exactly hear about that incident? I heard that they kind of got into it. Shug and Jake kind of got into it in the inside with some, some of the puppy people. And uh, they went out to the limousine, went to get in the car, and the same guy kind of just basically upped on Jake. Jake was a big, tall, tall dude, and he upped on him and, and shot him. And I think Jake died several days later. If I'm not mistaken. The '95 Social Awards. Take me through that entire day leading up to that award show. Uh, I think we had just done a video. Or something, and after this video, should start telling everybody we going, we gonna go to New York. Back up, we going to New York. I was used to it because Sugar called you ten minutes before a flight. And get to the airport. We on our way out. Don't bring nothing. And I, and I get to running. Uh, this time, everybody got to pack, packing up and going to New York. And uh, I knew we were going to an award show, but didn't really know what award show. I think this was the source first annual or maybe this was the second time doing the show and uh, when we got there like you notice how many people that should have bought like we went probably it was about 150 of us that was in New York and you felt the tension because I knew Pac was Shug was in the works so I think at this time trying to get Pac out of jail and they were in conversation and you kind of seen the kind of shit going up there, but when Suge was getting ready to go up on the stage, he told me to come on. No, he, he told me to come on before I went up, before he went up, and I, I didn't really move, and one of the homies like, don't. And you know, I'm excited. 15, 16 years old, I get into woo, I'm happy. But then inside of me doing all this happiness and yelling and excited about being on TV, I'm hearing Suge say, I'm thinking, you, you want it, you tired of your CEO being all in it? videos and then I'm going, woo! All I'm thinking is, is this nigga is coming. 
You just would feel the bass from my bubble. You felt it from people being in unison. And uh, you know, that's when Sue walked out and said, Y'all ain't got no love for death row. And da 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 But it was, it, was, it was really tight because of the security that we had to have when we got there. I mean, it was serious. It was serious. What was the reaction from all the other death row artists when she hyped? Made no comments. Like, what was the immediate reaction? I think everybody was always a little bit surprised, but I, I, I got to give it to them. When, when it was time to move, it was time to make a make a move. Like, if shit was on some ignorant shit or whoever was on some ignorant shit, we moved as a unit, whether we agreed with it or not. And I don't recall any of the other artists not agreeing with it out loud. That just wasn't a thing again that you would you would do out loud. Like, you hear a lot of people have their opinions now. <laughs> now that they grown and sugar locked up, everybody have their opinions. Without talking my opinions and the things that I would say to sugar, I said to them as a kid. And I think that's what kind of made them like me. Like, if somebody didn't agree with I'm going to tell them, nah, I don't want to do this. Be like, man, you need to go in the room. I'm not going in no room. I don't want to go, you know. Anybody else, if they said, he said go in the room, it was grown men walking in rooms because he said it. So, I don't think they... You know, like I said, if, if, if he said it and we was riding with it at that time, we were riding with him. Right. Um, the performance, Death Row performance at award show. Um, they actually had a, a cardboard cutout of Tupac in one of the fields, right? Mm-hmm. Who I deal with? I, I can't really say I know who came up with that idea. But I'm, again, like I said, I knew Suge was in talks of getting out of jail because we were going to visit him right you were yeah. we were going to visit him I, I never personally went into prison to visit Pac but I stood outside and sat across the street in this little small restaurant for hours at a time almost every time that he went up to see him I sat in a limo I sat in a little restaurant across the street while you was in New York for the social wars um, that's the first time you met Mary J Blige and Puff Daddy Baby Mama Lisa right yes tell me about that yeah, so I met, uh, after the award show, we went up to, to the room. Got what hotel there was. But Shug would have, always have the biggest room in the damn building, the presidential suite. And, uh, I was in the room and Shug called me. He said, come upstairs for a minute. And my guy brother was there. He said, come up by yourself. When he said that, it's either it's another girl upstairs for me, or somebody probably gonna get their ass whooped upstairs. Something I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, oh man, here we go. I get up to the room and it's a table full of girls sitting around the table, and they all eating. Everybody eating and ordering food. And some of the homies are in the room, and uh, Misa's sitting there. Misa is puppies, uh, baby mother. Devante's one of the Devante's baby mom and I think Casey's baby mom was up there. No, it wasn't. It was Devante's baby mama and Mary and a couple other chicks that were at the table. And we talking and we drinking. And, you know, I'm kind of excited. Again, I'm from the west side of Chicago and, and who who doesn't look up to Mary J. Blige as like, you know, the, the, one of the queens, you know, of the time she She's a queen of the R&B at that time, at least in the hood. And we up there chilling, we up there chilling and drinking and drinking. And uh, I think after I left for a little while, we was talking, I think I left out and Shug called me back up to the room. I said, come back, come back upstairs, man. Old oh, girl want to see you. What the old girl? I think one of the other girls that was at the table. And I get up there to the room, Suge's in, the, in, his, in his room, and Misa's sitting on the bed with a sheet wrapped around her. You know, you kind of see like a nice body and she got this sheet wrapped around her. And uh, Mary's sitting on the couch. 
So I know the girl didn't need to be with you know what I mean? So I went in, I'm, he closed the door and shit, and I sit down and I start talking to Mary. In the inside, I'm about to lose her, because I'm actually sitting here talking to Mary. She's sitting on the couch and shit, and we ordered some food and some old drinks. Somebody knocked on the window, knocked on the door. She ran and kind of damn near jumped behind the couch, hiding. <laughs> I'm looking like, what's your problem is? Can she, can she make sure that's not Kate. Okay. Hey. You know, I'm like, I'm saying, I don't care. You know, I'm talking, I don't care who he is. You better not, you ain't got to be running and jumping and did it, but she was actually talking about KC. She was thinking that KC, she had like this postpartum type, you know, the, the shit that people in the army probably go through when they hit bangs. Like, she, when it came to KC at that time. <laughs> you know, and uh, she's sitting on the couch and shit. I'm like, you know, you ain't got to worry about him. You know, it's, you straight. You did it like, I'm 15, 16 years old. And she laying on the couch. And I'm sitting on the other end. And she lay down on the couch and put her head in my lap. Can't talk about Mary. Let's talk about she want you to come back up here now. She on my lap, and I'm sitting there and I'm wondering. I'm like, okay, what? What is this gonna end up to? And she stayed a couple. She stayed a couple more hours, and uh, we decided to go in the other room because it was a sweet. We went in another room and lay down, and she lay down with me. And she kind of like backed up against me, and every time she backed up against me, I would move away and shit, you know. From that time, I had an opportunity to go out to New York and visit her a couple more times. Well, you know, that's why I was kind of confused when I heard Kurt saying that Mary was pop girl. Because uh, at that time, she was my girl. <laughs> at that time, I'm 15, 16 years old, and she flying me in to see her. And uh, you know what it is when a girl back up on you, you young and shit, I'm trying to show her that. And, and she ain't phasing me. I'm hard as goddamn. <laughs> She's backing up against me. This Mary J. Blige. And, uh, like, next week, I mean, you know, I don't even know if you're supposed to say you had, you supposed to say you had sex with people on camera? Anyway, whatever. I'm not quite sure, but. Relations. Yeah, we had relations. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it out. And, and I, I said it in the book, and I was, you know, I was saying it because it was my Instagram moment. I should say before Instagram came out. Or that was my moment. That was my social media moment to be able to say that in the book. Because had it been cameras or something around or being able to make a post, I probably would have tried to make it something very serious, especially after being there more than five times. And you kept in contact with Mary Big Blog after that? I did, for sure. For sure. We, you know, I would, she would fly me in. Sometimes I'd fly down to see her. And my last time seeing her, uh, in New York was a, well, I was on my way to work with Devontae in Rochester, New York. Tell me about that. Uh, well, she wanted me to go down to New York to work with Devontae. At this time, Devontae was running the basement. His crew was called The Basement, and uh, they were down in Rochester. And he had Timberland and Magoo, Missy. Missy was a part of the group's sister. I think it was Missy and Tweet. Uh, and my boy, Jenny Wine. Shout out to Jenny Wine. He had all those artists down there, and I just went down there to do some records with him. I had an opportunity on my way to fly down there to stay for about a month or so. Uh, Mary kind of tricked me. <laughs> she tricked me, and I missed my flight to go up to Rochester. I was flying, I flew into New York, and I was supposed to fly out to Rochester. I stayed with her that night. And uh, went to Rochester and had an opportunity to cut some great records with the podcast. You told a story about you and Mary J. Blige having a relationship, and she was on her period. Damn, is that, that's what y'all took out of that? Yeah, I mean, you said it in your book. You said you and Mary J. Blige had a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that was the nastiest shit I've ever done in my life. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think she was on it when we started. Oh, I think she tried to get in the shower and kind of slow it down or something like that. Uh, after we started having relations, she had made a big mess. And I kind of referred to it, I'm sorry, Mary. I kind of referred to it Bloody Mary in the, <laughs> in the book, but it was just, it was just for the readers. 
Uh, you know, who would 15 is?